Hi, this is Bennett Tomlin with the Scientific Nutrition Update, the workday show where in five to ten minutes I give you my thoughts on something new or interesting in the world of health, fitness, or nutrition. For today's episode, I'm going to talk about an important effect in nutrition called the nutrient partitioning effect. Now, the nutrient partitioning effect is basically a complicated way of saying the very obvious fact that our body processes different nutrients differently. Now, this seems at first blush to be an obvious statement, but it also in a sense kind of runs afoul of the calories in, calories out method I always preach, because the basic claim of that is a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. The true story is a bit more complicated than that, and if you want to learn more, I highly recommend you read the book, The Poor Misunderstood Calorie by Dr. William Lagacos, though I think he's a little bit off on resveratrol and listen to episode 39 to see why. However, even if for weight loss, a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, there's still the matter of what weight are we losing? Are we losing muscle or fat? Obviously, we want to maximize our fat loss and minimize our muscle loss. I think that should pretty clearly go without saying, but here I am saying it anyway. Now, I know you guys are thinking, this goes against my whole calorie restriction-centered philosophy, and you're both right and wrong. Basically, I think it is if it was possible to totally match calorie intake and burn, you would lose the same no matter what. But I also think we do have some ability to optimize, so what we lose is more significantly fat than muscle. So how do we do this? Well, there's a few different methods I think can be helpful. First things first, cutting our carbohydrate consumption will probably help. The lower our carbohydrate consumption, the less likely we are to have higher insulin levels, which help promote fat storage. Second thing, eat more protein. One thing, protein is satiating, so it'll probably help you cut your calories anyway. But the other important feature of it is that it helps spare muscles when you're in a calorie deficit. So it helps preserve the muscle mass you already have when you're eating at a calorie deficit. Now, changes in growth hormone levels could potentially help, but significantly changing your growth hormone levels is difficult. The simplest advice I have for this is to lift, do some kind of resistance training, because that will likely help boost it at least slightly, and consider doing high-intensity interval training, which is sometimes suggested as likely benefiting growth hormone levels, though there is also a chance this type of exercise would preferentially oxidize glucose instead of fat, and so it might end up being a wash in the end. Now, if you go back to episode 9, I discuss this kind of training more in depth. Regardless of the overall effect on growth hormone levels, exercise is always going to be important to help spare your muscles in calorie deficit. Sleep. Getting good sleep is important because it helps raise growth hormone levels. Plus, when you're sleeping, you cannot eat, which helps when you're trying to lose weight. For sleep, I recommend using blue blockers like these I'm wearing right now if you're watching the live feed, like I discussed in episode 31, and Dr. Lagacos has discussed extensively on his website. I have also had success supplementing with magnesium and zinc. Now, magnesium I discussed in episode 45. Now, obviously, that's just my personal N equals 1 experience, but there is some limited clinical evidence of it helping with insomnia. Now, finally, the part that I'm most excited about potentially contributing to this nutrient partitioning effect is nutrient timing. If you go back and listen to episode 47, you can see how excited I get about this potential for, what I, for what's called early time-restricted feeding. 
The way this works is basically by stopping eating by, say, 3 to 4 p.m.-ish, you're eating more in tune with your circadian rhythm, and because of that, it becomes easier to sleep well, lowers your insulin levels, increases your insulin sensitivity, and probably helps sleep. Now, I'm not going to say it is, it is a cure-all, but I will say it made me start rewriting a huge part of my book. Finally, there are other things you could potentially do, including dosing yourself with growth hormone or with ephedrine or the whole bunch of other things. But I'm not getting into those today because they're potentially dangerous. However, focusing on eating more protein, fewer carbs, exercising, and sleeping is a pretty safe set of changes. If you can maybe also try to stop eating a little bit earlier in the day, that'll probably help too. Thank you for tuning in. And if you learned something, then please share this episode with a friend. It helps more than you know. Please remember, you can always find show notes for this episode and others at scinutrient.com forward slash podcast. That's scinutrient.com forward slash podcast. If you find any great journal articles on anything you think I might find interesting, email them to me at scinutrient at gmail.com. If you have any other questions, send me a voice message on Anchor, and I'll try to answer them on this podcast for you. If you want to learn more about intermittent fasting, consider checking out my book, The Optimized Guide to Intermittent Fasting. And if you enjoyed this podcast, Please subscribe and leave a review. It helps more than you know. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, live long, live healthy, but most of all, live happy. Today, I would also like to talk to you about something a little bit different. I'm a recent college graduate and have become increasingly cynical about the whole college education process. However, there are several companies out there that are working to change this. One, in specific, I am willing to advocate for because I've seen the positive testimonials from their students. I went out and looked for them. And I've seen the dedication of their founder, Austin Allred, to the success of his students. And that is Lambda School. Now, how Lambda School works is it's meant to teach you how to code so you can get a job as a software engineer. It takes about half a year and they charge nothing up front. Instead, they take a percentage of the first three years of your salary after graduation, but only if you're making over 50k. Now, there's several reasons I like this. One, the students are successful. Two, you minimize your risk because if it doesn't work, you own nothing. Three, it's faster. You don't have the same opportunity cost of having to spend four plus years in an institution studying this stuff. Plus, I can even sweeten the deal a little bit more for you. If you sign up through lambdaschool.com forward slash scinutrient, when you graduate, you will get $250. Now, full disclosure, so will I if you graduate. Now, that's lambda, L-A-M-B-D-A, school.com forward slash scinutrient, S-C-I, nutrient. Still not sure if this is for you? They will several times a year offer free classes you can use to either tune up your skills or learn something new. I would check it out if I were you. Oh, thank you.